This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, hey, been a long time. I'm back. Uh, Deep Focus Podcast, your host, Rodrigo Perez. It's been a minute. Yeah, I've been gone for a while, um, but I'm back for now. Um, my uh, my subject this week is uh, filmmaker Grant Singer. Uh, he makes his impressive feature-length directorial debut with the Netflix film Reptile, which um, was opened last weekend in limited release, uh, limited theatrical release, and now opens today, fi- Friday, September 29th on, uh, well, premieres today on Friday, September 29th on Netflix. Um, it's a, maybe an odd looking film on the surface. I've seen people underestimate it. It's a crime film slash murder mystery on the surface, but it is, uh, full of great texture and depth. Um, uh, yeah, I've had trouble convincing some people of that for some reason. I don't know. Maybe the look of it. I don't know. Maybe the poster, maybe this or that. Um, but it's, um, you know, some people have called it a, a standard sort of serial killer film. And I would say, no, I would say that it's in the vein of, um, uh, Denis Villeneuve and what he did was say something like Prisoners, which, you know, is a crime drama that has a lot of, um, soul, texture, personality, depth, psychological uh, uh, texture and all that, trying to really add stuff to the characters. And I feel like that's what Singer's doing with uh, Reptile. Reptile stars, um, it's a seemingly strange cast on the surface, uh, 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 at least um, in, in the name recognition in terms of like, who's the people? It's like Benicio Del Toro, Alicia Silverstone, Justin Timberlake, Michael Pitt, Eric Bogosian. But it's honestly maybe one of the best ensemble casts I've seen working together in some time. Uh, Benicio del Toro stars as uh, Tom Nichols, who's a um, you know a detective um, who's uh, got to solve a crime. But there's much much more to it than the murder mystery and the crime. Um, while you know while there that is part of it, and it's full of. Uh, uh, surprises and twists and turns and red herrings and things that throw you off and very Hitchcockian in its way. Um, it stands alone on that, but there's so much there's so much depth and texture of it. Um, you know, De- Del Toro's character is coming from 
Philadelphia, where he survived scandal. His partner um, was convicted on a bunch of, uh, of crimes that he himself was not part of, but because it was his partner, it sort of scandalized him and his life and his wife, him and his wife had to sort of, uh, you know, depart and they're exiled from Philadelphia. So they moved to Maine and he has to integrate into this new community of, you know, uh, of cops in Maine who have a certain way of doing things. And, you know, it's not sort of overly expressed, but he's the, you know, the only Latino character on the police force. His partner is black, is the only uh, other person of color on the police force. And they're surrounded by white cops and they have to sort of, you know, integrate into um, into that uh, milieu, into that society. And I don't know, it's it, it, from there it, it builds in a lot of stuff. Del Toro is a co-writer on this film, which I think um, you, when you listen to this conversation, hopefully with Grant, you'll get a real understanding of this guy is the real deal. He really knows cinema, he knows film, he knows film history and the way he speaks about story and all this stuff is, you know, he, he, he knows what he's doing and, and this would have probably been a great movie regardless. But with Del Toro as a, as a, as a, um, my dogs in the background, be quiet. Um, as with Del Toro as a, as a, as a partner and a co-writer, it just really ends up like fleshing things out, um, that much more, you know, he's he's yes he's one of those cops who's dedicated and all that but you know the film really tries to bring so much life and vibrancy and eccentricity and quirks to the character the character is you know he's not dour he's not the 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 obsessive type that like is self-destructive and is on his fourth marriage like you'd see in a michael mann movie this guy's happily married his wife who's played by alicia silverstone silverstone who's great in this movie and really takes what might could be a thankless role and really fleshes it out into something you know they have this great um they have this great marriage and she's a great partner and 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 you know he's he's lively he's funny he's a vibrant person he's got a healthy marriage he's really into home renovation um it's all these sort of he's into square dancing and it's like what and he's also this really jealous person the paranoia of his case starts to bleed over into his life he's parent he's he's jealous about those who who may have some designs on his wife so he's a really fleshed out uh real well-drawn three-dimensional character um you don't see that that often in these kinds of films um, you know, Grant and I, I think we really unpacked a lot of that stuff. And then there's so much rich, deep thematic um, stuff to this movie. It's about, yes, the title's about reptile and it's about, you know, shedding skin and, and, and evolving and changing and, you know, some of the things that he has to do as he moves to this new place in Maine. But, you know, I would, I would sort of posit that this film really has to do a lot about dreams and um, broken dreams and illusions and dreams of like the American dream, the dream of, you know, it's a simple thing, but the dream of his home and then the new house and home that he's building that he hopes to build with his wife in this new location. He's got this, this dream, this, this aspiration, this hope and to not give away too much. Yes, it's a crime film, but there's a whole other thing that's happening with, about the system being rigged, a broken system, a man who loves his job and the job that doesn't love him back. Um, there's a lot of stuff that reminds me of like, you know, it's a lofty comparison, but you know, Chinatown, right? 
you know, the, there's the line, forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown, um, which speaks to futility. And it's not the same thing here, but there's definitely some parallels. Um, and, and Singer is, you know, he knows his stuff. He talks about influences like Serpico in Cold Blood, noir films like The Night of the Hunter, Hitchcock's, Hitchcock's uh, Vertigo and Psycho. And he also talks a lot about Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation, which I think is a really interesting way. Um, I, I didn't really see it, but when he, he brought it up, it was pretty fascinating to me. Anyhow, Reptile is really good. It's really underrated. It's flying under the radar. It's underestimated, I think. There's a lot to it. Pay attention. Um, there's a lot going on. And if you've seen some of the reviews out there, I would urge you to maybe like give it a better shot than some of those than some of those reviews that that are like maybe decent. But but this is a this is a, a guy that you're going to hear about more. You're going to hear more about Grant Singer. Um, you're gonna you're gonna see what he does next. He's gonna be on the radar. He's made a really classic thriller, uh, murder mystery kind of serial killer uh, cop procedural movie. Yes, there's all that to it, and that works functions really excellently. It's grim, it's gray, it's all that. But there's this amazing counterbalance of this playful, vibrant character played by Benicio del Toro. This supporting cast. Um, it's really good, and and I'm hoping when you when you listen to this conversation and you hear um, Grant speak that you'll you'll understand. Okay, this guy understands cinema. He understands movies. He understands storytelling. He's the real deal, and you're gonna be hearing more about him. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a crime movie with a lot of contour and depth and shading, but not a lot of it is that overt. So pay attention. Uh, hopefully you enjoy this film. Hope you hopefully enjoy this conversation. It's good to be back. Um, Reptile is on Netflix today, Friday, September 29th. Dial it up. It's really good. It's 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 really underestimated. It's um it's a really good piece of filmmaking, and there's layers and layers and depths uh, to it, which I think Grant will articulate. Anyhow, all right. Here's my conversation with Grant Singer, the director and writer, co-writer of uh, Reptile. It stars uh, Benicio del Toro, co-stars Alicia Silverstone, Justin Timberlake in a very un unexpected turn, Michael Pitt, Eric Bogosian, many more. Um, it's great. All right. Um, talk soon. Hope you enjoy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, great, great, great. Okay. So, <laughs> anyhow, uh, tell me, tell me about your movie. Tell me about the inception, all of it, I, I really dug it. I, I really dug the craft. I love the the performances, the twists. There's a lot, there's a really a lot to love here. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, first of all, great to meet you. Um, so with this film, um, we wanted to make a movie that um, captured this multifaceted sense of deception where there's this sort of feeling of being deceived, but there's the deception that's sort of interwoven into the storytelling, but also in the experiences of the characters themselves. Right. Script form, we wanted to do this thing that you see structures a little bit different than it is in Psycho, but where you introduce the movie with a character or two characters, and then something happens, and then you pass the baton and change protagonists, and then everything that you experience in those first opening minutes is uh, you begin to perceive differently as the film unfolds. Mm -hmm. And then also this idea of um, the hunter is the hunted, right? Where um, you see that often with the Justin Timberlake character, the Benicio character, specifically the Michael Pitt character. Yeah. Um, 
you see it done very beautifully in Coppola's The Conversation, where Gene Hackman is eavesdropping on these two people and he thinks that they're potential um, you know, victims of a of a crime, and then something happens at the end, and you realize that you uh realize it's something different. But so this idea of the hunter is the hunter, this is something we wanted to play with and I, themes of history repeating itself, the recreation of trauma to overcome one's past, a lot of things we wanted to play with, and and also this sort of ambiguity of true crime, right? The culpability of it, and and then also um, making an investigative thriller where something happens halfway, and it kind of changes the course and changes the path of the rest of the movie, and then the second half of the film becomes a sort of moral and sort of psychological unraveling of a character and he's faced with this dilemma and is he going to do the right thing or is he not and so a lot of a lot of ideas that we were playing with and um and then i think ultimately this being my first film i wanted to make a film that would uh convey who i was as a director mm -hmm. and um i i think um i mean from there are films there are my favorite movies, but then there are also films that I think inspired this film, like certainly movies like In Cold Blood, Night of the Hunter, um, uh, Serpico, Rosemary's Baby, different sort of films in the genre. But ultimately, I like I, I think I have a very, at least at this moment right now in my career, I, I like things that are very classical, like I love very simple pans and mm -hmm. photographing things with 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 more of a classical um, approach to films or filmmaking, things that I, I love from the past. And I wanted to um, use this as an opportunity to come out of the gate and introduce myself with who I am and, and how I how I want my films to be. I think that's pretty telling in that it's it's uh, it's a what I love about it is is multifaceted um, uh, introduction because yes you have a whole visual side and all that but and 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 you do this great you know serial killer true crime kind of thing but. I, I almost find sometimes, you know, films can get lost in that, you know, like once you're good at it, you're good at it. But what else are you bringing to the table? And you bring what I love about this this film is the way it turns on its head and it sort of becomes more about the character and Benicio's story and the moral story. And I don't know if I'm reading into it too much, but it it's it seems to have a commentary on america's fascination with true crime because america's fascination with true crime is so superficial and true crime can be superficial and then maybe even you're like po positing it as oh this is true crime and then you really turn a thing that that makes it the opposite of superficial so like you know um deep and 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 then there's a real center here and a real stake for for benicio's character yes and First of all, I, I really appreciate that you got that because that's certainly something that we were doing. And that's a scene that, um, there's a scene sequence in the film where Justin is giving a tour to this creepy couple. And at this point in the story, all that we know, one of the things that we know about the potential um, uh, killer is that they have a limp. And all of a sudden someone walks in with the limp and then they put their crutches down and you're like, oh my God, oh my God. And you realize they're there to recreate this moment, right? And and document it. And like it is like this weird and this weird, perverse fascination with true crime. And that's a, that scene, you could essentially take out that scene and still have this movie, right? But it, it comments on this thing that you're speaking about, which I'm very fascinated with. Right. And fascinated with our cultural fascination with true crime. Right. And um, but yes, digging into the underbelly of like how this 
how these themes are 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 um, explored morally or internally, like this inner world of this character be became very interesting to us, but also in this three-dimensional way because the film is also playful. And the film, you know, we, we've often seen this detective who just can't eat, can't sleep. It ends up ruining their relationship. You're so obsessed with this case. And this is a this is a guy who's like, yeah, he's really interested in solving the case, but he's also interested in its home renovation. And actually the stuff with his wife is great. He's got this beautiful, amazing relationship. And there isn't this moment where like, he's so close to the case that it ends up fucking up their marriage or anything like that. If anything, they get closer together. There is this moment in the second half of the film where he ends up having this, he, he projects his frustration in this moment onto this innocent contractor, right? Just as a moment of like, to, to release this tension of what he's going through. But we're trying to subvert a lot of those things that you've seen traditionally uh, in these movies and do things that I think, you know, I like the playfulness. I like the warmth. I like the affability. There's this idea that good people can do bad things, which is why we show some of the, the bad guys as more likable and fun and playful. And there's this grayness of, of things and showing, yeah, again, like good people can do bad things. But but also, you know, film these th kinds of movies can be quite austere and cold. And I I wanted to counter act that like that vicious clinical cold sterileness with like a warmth you know and um a levity and things like that to kind of make it tonally more all-encompassing for sure and and that's brings a real richness and depth to the movie that's really unexpected because a lot of these movies don't have that as you said it's like guy's really obsessed he would probably normally be on his third divorce or something because he's you know like you know uh um so obsessed with the case and stuff like that and this guy is like my favorite line in the movie which i think speaks to the movie in in so many ways is is with a line when when benicio says and i want to talk about benicio because he's so he's so interesting and such a great character and such a great actor um but the line when he says you know I love this job and you know he means it because we've seen him really care about this stuff because but I don't know if this job loves me back and that to me is the key line for at least his character and the and the theme and again I don't want to make it political but like there's the idea of like America's fascination with crime and the state of America and it almost there's you know there's an element of like the whole deck is rigged against him you know he's playing he's playing a game here and he's realizing i'm trying to play this ethically and morally and upright and the the game is rigged here i don't know if you're consciously doing it but it just feels like there's a lot a lot of little parallels to america and and how you know it's like you could almost see it in a way someone saying like i love america but i'm not sure i love america loves me back yeah it's very interesting you say that. And, um, you know, if you look at the movie, he's one of the few Latin characters, right? He's trying to assimilate into this brotherhood of these um, white, you know, cops. And yeah. it's just him and his partner are the are two minorities. And it's very interesting that you that you bring that up because that's the kind of thing we, we, we hinted like very subtly, but we don't. You know, that's not like an overt right. theme that we explore, but he is an outsider, right? Both metaphorically and literally, he's an outsider. Yeah. Um, but yes, there's, there's, th those themes are certainly there that you're talking about. And there's also the idea that like the people that we 
think the people that are that are tasked with solving these crimes are just like the two of us like they have the same weaknesses desires and right. they're imperfect and and um but yes morally certainly there's this this idea of that like um the recreation of trauma to overcome one's past it's a theme that you see i think beautifully in vertigo um which is also moved about obsession but i think really about the recreation of trauma and um that's certainly a thing here but that's also this idea of dreams like halfway through the movie he's talking to his therapist and he's talking about this dream that he walks into a party and these bad guys are something these, these bad guys are there but he can't pull the trigger and then at the end of the movie he's at alan's party the aftermath and there's party favors all around and you know these bad guys are there and he can't pull the trigger and it's like this idea of the recreation of dreams and there's this there's a lot of like serendipitous acts of god right with like the moment that the he's uh he's uh uh the, the notebook falls down and these two these two images from the case file come out and they're left images from the bite and had he not dropped the notebook maybe he would not have opened the case and the whole second half of the movie would have been completely different had that frisbee not hit the window it's like these all these like kind of like these moments of these acts of god that are like unexplained that those are things that you don't see necessarily in these kind of movies that we're really interested in exploring both in script stage but also like I think are very interesting, you know, and um, things that you can, I, I do think of movies as like film is dream. I've always felt that. And I felt like there were ways to articulate those ideas through this film, you know? It's funny that you mentioned that too, because it's, I, I definitely mentioned that in my review and the idea like dreams are so, I don't know if you want to say it, the American dream, but one of his big dreams is to own this beautiful house and to have a beautiful house and to have a beautiful wife and have and to have a home and have stability. He's been shifted out of Philadelphia and now he's in Maine. His 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 dream is to have a, a, a is like the American dream in a way, just a, a, a stable, nice life, right? And and he just wants to do his job. He's good at it. He wants and then he wants to do stuff and and have this, but he's this sort of the tragedy of this story and the story of his is that like he can't have that because we live in a flawed and broken system and him just playing by the rules to solve this crime you know i find the ending quite chinatownish um oh man thank you so much that's the highest compliment anyone could ever give me yeah no i i found that's what this movie like to me because those things are always the most kind of like failure is so interesting right like he doesn't quite fail but like it's a, it's, it's, you know, he, he wins in a way. He, he, he solves a case. He gets all these people, but it comes at a cost, right? Bittersweet. Absolutely. And we don't, you know, there's like, well, what happens in the future? I mean, obviously we, we, we show him, you know, his hand is healing. He does the paraffin, the, it's the shedding of skin, whatever. Yeah. And the, you know, this idea where earlier in the film, he's, you know, he's talking about them closing the case and he goes, you know, they're just washing their hands. And she goes, well, you don't have to wash yours. And then what happens at the end of the movie is like, he does this thing with the faucet. And again, you interpret that as you will, paired with the Dylan, you know, mama take this badge off me, I can't do it anymore. We'll let the viewer and the audience come to their own conclusions as to what happens in the future. But it is, it's this bittersweet. It's the, it's the winning, but losing. It's the like, well, at least he does the right thing. You know, it's like, in a movie of like, will he or won't he, this idea of things becoming cyclical and history repeating itself. And I think you really want, well, first of all, I think you, the film needs a climax. Yeah. Personally, like, I think that there's a lot of tension when we tested the film. I I was surprised by how suspenseful people felt that last act was. Like I, you know, people ask me, like, well, like someone asked me recently, like, well, how do you direct suspense? Or like, I'm like, 
I have no fucking, I just direct the scene the way I want it, way, the way I envision it. I'm not thinking about like, oh, well, this shot needs to be like this or this. It's just like, this is the moment. This is the moment. And, you know, through editorially, it, it comes together, hopefully. Um, but I do think that when you're building up that tension of like, what's going to happen, what's going to happen, you kind of got to let, you want it to um, erupt in some way, right? You want to erupt, give that, give the audience that eruption um, uh, where things kind of coalesce and converge and kind of explode. But um, I really appreciate the things that you're saying about the film, because those are things that we were, we were certainly interested in um, conveying, you know? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, I, I think... I. I don't know. For what it's worth, I think I've seen some people maybe not catch the depth of this film. Well, thank and, you. And I think there's a lot more layers. And I think it's some I've seen some people really underestimate it. And um, I think you're not watching it closely enough. And because uh, I, I think you're very thoughtful in, in many, many of the choices here. And you mentioned many of them, the faucet, the thematic things that are going throughout. There's layers and layers of, of really great thematic stuff. But I also want to talk about the characters. I mean, there's so many rich characters. And like even your like third, fourth cop, they all feel like real people. Thank um, you so, so much. So tell me, and, and I find that extremely rare. Like I feel like everybody in this movie um is is very especially the cops they feel so like oh i know these guys you know like i've 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 seen they live in my neighborhood or whatever you know um but tell me about benicio and because he's got a co-writing credit on this and which is sometimes rare and it's interesting and his character is filled with so much eccentric flair and 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 oddity and, and i wanted to know what he brought to it and i know it's interesting right before i saw this movie i listened to a podcast with him where he basically said like yeah i want to kind of move more into filmmaking and i want to like you see he hinted at stuff like that i've written scripts that i haven't been credited for and i might want to direct one day and i just wanted to know what how he helped like flesh out or or three-dimensionalize his character yeah so I know that he's definitely written in the past. Like he's, he's talked to me about that. I know that he's, he's yeah. written with other filmmakers and things like yeah. that. And this is a movie, this is a script that uh, Ben Brewer and I co-wrote together. And we set up with our producers who had done Sicario with, Black, with uh, Benicio. Hmm. And after we developed it for a few months with them, they, you know, they, we talked about maybe giving it to Benicio when we had him in mind for the role. And they said, listen, we can send the script. We'd never sent him a script other than Sicario, but you know we're happy to send it to him. And he read right. the script and responded to it. I met with him, and it was like rapid fire, two hours of like questions. But also, I can tell he was really trying to gauge me as a person, as a filmmaker. When you're an actor, the your your director is certainly like. I'm sure he had a lot of he he was he was really kind of like just checking me out at like who is this guy? You know, my first movie, especially like, am sure. I gonna want am I gonna want to work with this person? And, after that meeting, he's like, all right, let's get to work. And I was like, oh my God, he's like Benicio Del Toro, my movie. But at that time, it was more like he was engaging. It wasn't like he was saying at that moment, I'm going to do the movie, but it was like, I'll at least go down this path and engage and see if there's something there. And then the three of us started um, working together and 
you know, the script sort of evolved. We started deepening the characters, not just his character, all the characters. Mm -hmm. And he's someone who brings a lot of research to the process. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting going back to what you said a few minutes ago, which is about like how realized these characters are. Mm -hmm. um, that's certainly something that I think we were, I don't want to say that was purely for the research, but that was certainly something that like, that was something that I know he brings a lot of research to the table. Mm -hmm. And um truthfulness and honesty to things that we to things that we um explore in this film and i actually at one point i remember i had a uh, consultant detective chris lindsay the marietta police department in georgia and i'd shadow him for days and i i remember that first day i must have asked him 500 questions and i just like writing down as fast as i could i'm asking every question like what time do you get in how many rings do you take before you answer i mean like the most minute banal questions but i wanted to know every little detail when you come in where do you put your bag like i want to know like i want to know every little detail like things that you like when you drive home do you take the same route do you like i want to know every little detail i think going back to benicio benicio brings that same level if not even more of a he's incredibly detailed and meticulous about his process this isn't like he has this incredible gift but he works so hard on every little detail he is incredibly passionate amazing amazingly focused, um, uh, just beyond gifted actor, but he really puts in work too. And I really respond to that. I love the, I love the, how much he cares, you know? And I think in that, I think you're talking about the Deacons podcast, which I listen to as well. He really cares about the process. He loves filmmaking. And certainly this being my first film to work with someone like that, who can provide guidance and wisdom to me was such an amazing experience, you know? Yeah, I mean, for your first film, this cast is is really exceptional. Um, it's really loaded, and and it's uh, it's interesting to see, like you know, Alicia Silverstone, like their relationship is really really interesting and really um, uh, just different than you'd expect. There's like there's yeah, there's no real conflict there. Yeah, there's no like you know, it's just they're a a wonderful kind of unit, and she's like you know, it, it's it's. Um, she feels very real too. That's usually a kind of a thankless role. And, and, uh, um, but I feel like she's, she's, there's reason there. She's part of that dream, you know, and, and she's, and she's uh, um, dreaming along with him, you know, like they have the same goals and aspirations, you know? Yes, I agree. And she brings like, you know, she brings such a warmth and a vulnerability, but also a strength to anchor what it is that they have, this beautiful relationship that that acts as like a, a counterpoint to the evils of his job, you know, mm -hmm. and that he faces in his world. And she, you know, you, you mentioned something earlier about these characters feeling lived in, like mm -hmm. Alicia just brings this instantaneous, like vitality, alive, like fully realized, fully dimensioned, very mm -hmm. comfortable, like just, nuanced and like she's one of my favorite actors to work with because it's like you just say one thing she's like, I got it and then she does it and you're like oh my god that was so easy like she makes it seem easy like she's just so wonderful at inhabiting things and she's also so seasoned that um I'll start to like ramble or talk she's like I got it I got it and then she like does it instantly instantly and I'm like it's great you know she just knows she almost can read my mind and right. she it's funny, we were sending each other voice notes late last night because the movie comes out today in theaters and we were just talking and 
I, I truly just loved working with her and our relationship now and our friendship. It's just, it was, it was such an amazing opportunity for me to, to get to work with an actress like her. Yeah. I mean, such a stacked cast for your first film and, and obviously Benicio is like, what, what a, what a golden opportunity that really brings out already a great story in, 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 in dimensionalizing it. Um, it's so weird too. When I finished seeing it, you know, the, the bittersweetness, the kind of the, the, um, the Chinatownness of it, the, that this guy feels like a real guy. It's not necessarily the first place most people would go, but I was kind of almost thinking like, you know, I'm, I, I'm so interested in this. And I know that it's sort of a classic kind of ending, but like, I, I'm like, I could see this going on again. I could see this be having like a, it's not even almost necessarily a kind of sequel, but like following this character, his life, like what happens next? Like, and I, and in these stories, you don't, you know, you don't want that from Chinatown or you, it ends in perfect kind of classic fashion. That's, I mean, although they did do a sequel, but uh, um, you know, um, you know, like you, I, I'm just sort of curious if you've thought about that at all, because it, it, in this weird kind of way, it kind of made me think like, I wonder what his next chapter is beyond like, you know, maybe hanging it up, but maybe something else, you know? Yeah. No, it's interesting. I, I, I haven't thought too much about a sequel. Um, we call it reptile two back in the habitat. <laughs> I'm kidding. But um, uh, no, I haven't thought too much about a sequel. Um, but, you know, listen, you never know. I, I think, uh, I think that, you know, you're right. The movie ends in this way where there's still a lot of open doors, right? And there's still a lot of things left unanswered. And we were talking earlier about this ambiguity and that ambiguity is always interested in exploring. And certainly there's going to be another chapter for this, for this, um, for this couple for you know, for, um, for Nichols and Judy. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. Well, you know, you know, even just like, like, I think this movie is definitely made in the kind of vein of something like Sicario and Sicario has a sequel, right? Like they spun that off and they're even actually making a third one. So, you know, yeah, um, I, I think, I think that's viable these days. Um, so what do you, do you know what you're doing next? Cause I'm, you know, like after this, I'm like, you know, I, I, I have to pay attention. I have to, you're one to watch for me now. That's so kind of you um, to say, thank you. I, I do know what I'm doing next. I'm, um, I'm working on something right now that's that's not totally done yet, but um, it will be soon and it'll be different than Reptile. Um, you know, I don't think I, I don't have a desire to make the same movie again. You know, like I I was, you know, doing something very particular with this, but um, I, I, I for a while have not for a while, but like for a little while now, I've, I've I kind of realized what I wanted to do next. And it, it's different. I'm sure there's going to be similar sensibilities. I'm sure that people will be able to see similarities, but I think it's a little bit different, but um, exploring things that I want to explore that are different themes, um, but and tonally going to be a little different. Um, Do you have a genre in mind? Uh, it, it's you know it's funny. It's like I it's so hard for me to describe this next film because mm -hmm. I, I haven't really seen. I don't say I haven't seen anything like it because certainly there are things that are you know, but uh, it's very. I, I think it's original. So. Um, I'm not going to say too much because mm -hmm. I'm also a little bit of a superstitious person where I, I don't like to talk about things before they happen. I'm just like, I've always been like that, but I am writing my next thing and I'm, I'm excited about it. So are, are you writing this with by yourself or with Ben again, or uh, right. This one I'm writing by myself. Yeah. So, you know, you came from the world of, of music videos. So most people would probably, you know, 
see you as uh, superficially at least they probably go you know he's a he's a music video guy he's a director first but like you know i see this and i'm i'm thinking well this is a writer director so do you do you see yourself as that i do yeah i i do i think um I, I I'm also, you know, I would love to direct movies one day that I don't write and, you know, write movies one day that I don't direct, you know, I, I, as long as I'm creatively fulfilled, um, in the moment, you know, whatever, you know, opportunity, you know, see what opportunities happen. I I'm always, I've always been this kind of person where like, I intuitively, like whatever feels right in the moment, that's what I'm, I'm doing. And in, in this moment particular, like I'm interested in this, in this specific story and I want to, you know, pursue it and we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I do think it's funny you say that because I do think that there's this weird, like, um, thing with music video people where they, they're like, oh, it's like a lesser art form, which it's a different art form. But I mean, if you look in the past, there's been a lot of amazing filmmakers to make that leap from music videos. It's just like when you're a director or, you know, filmmaker, or whatever, it's like you come out of film school and it's like, okay, well, what, what now? And there's like, it's so daunting to even, even think about getting a movie made, let alone doing it. Right. And it, I started making music videos not to become a music video director, just because I was like literally making stuff with my friends. My friends happened to be musicians and I was the film guy that knew how to operate a camera, that owned a camera and was like, I could, I literally was like camera in my right hand, light in my left hand. I was like my own gaffer, my own grip, my cameraman, my editor, my DP director. I was everything. And it was just, a, it was a one man show. I'm just like making stuff. And then like, eventually like, oh wow, I got more and more jobs. I'm like now I can hire a DP and now I can like move on. And but it's just about like making stuff with your friends and then things progress. But it's just a very innocent way to begin your filmmaking career. It's just making stuff and to explore. And, and obviously in film, music and, and image is like this beautiful music and sound is a huge part of film. Yeah. And specifically, if you think of Kubrick, I mean, not say not take away anything what he does, but like when you think about Kubrick, you can hear the movies even before you see them oftentimes yeah. from the Ligeti to the Penderecki to whatever he's using. The sound and the image of the, you know, the the sound and image are so interwoven. Even Vertigo is a movie like you can't even think of Vertigo without the Bernard Herman score or Bernard Herman score with Taxi Driver. Same thing. Yeah. It's like, the, and so music videos, it's like you're just learning how to create something that where the music and the image are are there's a oneness to it. Yeah. And it's just a very innocent, pure way of 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 beginning your career. Is all I'm saying. You know? No, absolutely. I 100% get it. I I went to film school and I and I did some stuff like that so yeah i get it um yeah, i gotta yeah. let you go but i i wanted to say uh your film is filled with a lot of personality and and there's a lot of like cool you know it's just full personality and and i was gonna ask you if anyone you know tried to temper it and and we gotta go but i would just say like i i hope whatever you do next you you keep that same spirit i could feel like there's a real kind of commitment to what you're telling and the way you're telling it and which i feel like is filled with more personality than most of these films could kind of do. So I, I, I hope you keep that with everything you do. And I, and I would love to just see that keep progressing and I, I can't wait to see what's next. Thank you so much, man. I really, really, really appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Thank For you. For sure. I really dug it. Okay, man. Take care. Right. Take care. See you.